Welcome to another inspirational message from Church on the Rock Pile. Thank you for listening. And if you would like more information, you can visit us at www.therockchurch.co.za. Well, it's so good to be sharing with you today because we are starting a series called Why God Why? And some of us have had questions so hard that we uh, wouldn't even say it out loud or doubt so big that we didn't feel like we could share it, especially in church. So in this series, we're going to be looking at some really tough questions together. But before we do anything, let's do something different. Because when I say God is good, you say all the time. So God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Now, here's the question. Have you ever doubted that statement? God is good all the time. And I'm talking about doubting God. And I know as Christians, we shouldn't doubt. And we should always have faith in the goodness of God. But for many of you, I know for me in moments, it doesn't seem good or when it doesn't seem fair. We've doubted the goodness of God. Like when you, you've lost a job or parents have got divorced or your spouse has left you, a loved one has died. Maybe you're just asking, why can't I get rid of these migraines? Can't I get rid of this depression that I'm facing, this, this temptation that I'm just trying to get rid of? And you, you, you're asking the question, why God, why? And maybe you, it's the everyday moments. You're trying to do good. You're trying so hard, but you're like, God, I'm just not happy. Maybe you're looking at the global issues in the world around us. And you God, where are you when children are starving? Where are you when wars break out? Or the innocent people are suffering. And if you've ever asked the question or you've ever questioned the goodness of God, then today's message is for you because the title is, Why Did God Allow It? But before we get into that, let's just pray and let's just dedicate this before God. So God, we pray that as we open your word, that your Holy Spirit would do a work. God, do a work in the hearts of those who are questioning and those who are struggling and those who are hurting, Lord. Even in the middle of pain and disappointment, God, help us to see your goodness. And we pray this in the name of the one who is good, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. So why did God allow it? See, this is a question that was asked since the beginning of time. In fact, we can go back 300 years before the birth of Jesus. There was a, there was a Greek philosopher called Epicurus. He had an epic name. Come on. Uh, he came up with these conclusions concerning God and good and evil. And the first one was, if God is not able to prevent evil, then he's not all powerful. And then he like asked another question. If God is not willing to prevent evil, then he's not all good. Which led him to ask this question. If God is both willing and able to prevent evil then why does evil exist? Why does he let it happen? And today we're going to be looking at scripture and we'll see that evil and suffering are not contrary to the story of the Bible. In fact, evil and suffering is actually central to the story of the Bible. And one thing I want to show you is that through scripture is this thought. And I want you to think about it because Christianity makes sense of. It gives meaning to and offers a solution for the evil and the suffering we experience. I'm going to say that again. Just think about this thought. Christianity makes sense of, 
It gives meaning to and offers a solution for the evil and the suffering that we experience. And in order to embrace that today, I want to give you a foundation in Scripture and show you that the Bible doesn't avoid pain. It doesn't avoid evil. It doesn't avoid suffering. And as we read all of Scripture in the Bible, you'll see countless expressions. I mean like countless expressions of anguish, confusion, rage, suffering, pain. But let's just look at four of them very quickly. Just four. Number one, you've got Jeremiah the prophet in the Old Testament. He's, a, he's known as the weeping prophet because he, he wailed out to God. He was crying out to God in grief about the unrepentance of the people. And he's asking the question, why God, why? David in the Old Testament, a man after God's own heart. He was in love with God. He worshiped God. He was always worshiping God. He trusted him over and over again. And he cries out to God. And he says, God, are you even listening? Do you even care? Why don't you come to my defense when I'm in trouble? He's asking the question, why, God, why? John the Baptist in the New Testament, you see his sole purpose was to prepare people for the coming of Jesus. He said that he wasn't even worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. He just wanted to bring forth the word that he's coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. His whole life was devoted to the Lord Jesus and he gets wrongfully arrested. He awaits potential execution and Jesus could have come and delivered him. Instead, Jesus didn't. And John ultimately lost his life. And I'm sure he sat in the prison cell going, where in the world are you, God? Why, God, why? And one story that I feel shows this so well is found in the Old Testament by a prophet called Asaph. Did you know there was a prophet in the Bible called Asaph? He wrote 12 of the Psalms. 12 of them are attributed to him. He was a poet. He was a prophet. He was the leader of the choir tabernacle, a.k.a. He was the worship leader of the day. Of the day. If it was in today's time, he would be wearing the tight jeans. He would have the guitar. He was such a muser. He was very close to God, but he said that he was starting to stumble because he was complaining that the wicked were getting all the blessings and he didn't understand it. So in Psalm 73 verse 11, he writes this. What does God know, they ask? Does the Most High even know what's happening? Look at these wicked people enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. See, this was the worship leader. The worship leader wondering. So we're going to be looking at some serious questions, some weighted questions. And I'm going to tell you up front, I've got no clear cut answer for all of them. But I'm going to uh, ask you to lean into them. And I want to encourage you to think about them and bring them before God because God can handle them. And the most common question is this. If God is loving, why would he allow suffering? If God is loving, why would he allow suffering? If God is a good God, then why would he allow people to go through some stuff? 
if they haven't even done anything wrong? I would give you the answer, but I want you to think about this because the answer is if love is a choice, suffering is a possibility. If it's possible to love, it's possible to hurt. Let me try and explain this logically and with scripture because the only way love is possible is to have a choice. We have to choose love. And theologically, that term is called free will. Because free will is the ability to choose. It's the ability to choose love or hate. It's the ability to choose right from wrong. And that's what makes evil and suffering possible. So why did God give us free will? See, the answer is the only way to love, the only way love is possible is because God gave us the free will. Because he didn't want us to be a rock. He didn't want us to be a robot. He wanted a relationship with us. He wants us to choose to receive him, to be in a relationship with us. He wants us to choose to love him back for who he is. He wants to be loved by us. And in order to have freedom, we need to choose love. But therefore, we have the freedom to choose evil. And when we choose evil, the Bible says that by choosing evil, we are choosing sin. It also says that sin leads to pain and suffering. And for God to remove evil and suffering, he'll have to remove our freedom to choose. Or he'll have to remove us completely. And something we really uh, think about or really ask or don't ask but should ask is if there is no God, who decides what's evil? If there is no God, who decides what's evil? Let me uh, help you understand that. Uh, who of you have siblings? I've got a sibling. My brother... If you got a sibling, who of you love your sibling? Who of you have ever had a fight with your sibling? Like, I promise you, if you had to raise your hands up, I think everybody watching who has a sibling has ever had a fight. And when you're in the fight, it always gets to a point where somebody shouts, I'm telling, and then they run off to mom and dad, and the other person shouts, no, I'm telling, and then you try and outrun your sibling to plead your case first. Like, have you ever done that? I think we've all done that. Now imagine if there were no parents, there would be no rules, no one to say what's right or wrong. In other words, there has to be an authority to have a standard. If there, were no, if there was no God, then there is no moral point of reference. And if we are honest, we cannot use the presence of evil or suffering to prove God doesn't exist. Because in reality, our belief in evil and suffering is more proof that he does exist. Suffering isn't the evidence of the lack of love. Let's look at everyday things to help you understand this. You see, a physical therapist, if you've ever been to a physical therapist, man, they push and they pull and they hurt a lot. Sometimes I think they have a love for that, but they don't hurt you like that because they hate you. No, there's a much deeper reason. Something better is coming. They want you to heal. A counselor takes you to that difficult place in your past, not because they hate you. No, there's a, a real reason for it. Something better is coming. They want you to move past it, past that injury, 
past that place of hurting so that you don't stay there. And how many of you have children? It's like, as parents, we discipline our children not to inflict pain, not because we don't love them. No, we love them because we know something better is coming. We want to keep them off drugs. We want to keep them out of jail because the presence of pain isn't the lack of love. Often it's the evidence of real love. And so that brings me to a question. Why do bad things happen to good people? It's a difficult question to answer because most of us uh, don't want to hear it. Uh, and when we ask it, we, we kind of like, it's not about me. But the reason is because Scripture says that we aren't good people. We have all hurt someone somewhere in our past. We've all said some things. We've all thought some things, done things. We are all sinners that have fallen short of God's standards. We, we are sinners saved by grace. And there is one who is good. Jesus is the only one who is good. So why do bad things happen to good people? See, if we actually look, the only time a bad thing happened to someone good, it happened one time in history, and it happened to Jesus, and he volunteered. He was innocent. He never did anything wrong. He took on the punishment of our sin. He is the only one who is good. And what did God do for us? God suffered for us. He surrendered the glory of heaven. He was born into poverty on this earth as Jesus Christ. He was mocked as a child because he was born to an unwed mother. He was rejected by his, uh, those closest to him. He was abandoned by his friends. He was falsely accused. He was wrongfully imprisoned. Jesus, Jesus the only one who was good was beaten. He was tortured. He was stripped naked. He hung shamefully on a cross. And the worst of all, the one who was good, the Lamb of God, became sin for us. He took the sins of the world so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be in a relationship with God. And in doing so, he was separated from the Father after a lifetime of perfect intimacy. And he cries out the same question you might have cried out before. And we find that in Matthew 27 verse 46. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did you leave me, he's saying, because I loved you. I lived for you. I served you faithfully. Jesus did that for us. He did that for you. He came and he suffered for us. He felt more pain than we'll ever feel. God the Father watched his innocent son suffer. So why does God allow suffering? I can't answer that directly, especially every situation, because every situation is different. I don't know what the answer is for that situation. I know what the answer isn't. 
It is not that God doesn't love you. John 3.16 proves that God loves us. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Love is not what He does. Love is who He is. God loves us so much. He took our misery. He took our suffering so seriously that He was willing to let his son take it on the cross. Why? Because God knew something better is coming. He knew sometimes it, you need to have death to have a resurrection. Sometimes you need to have hurt to have healing. Sometimes we need to have loss to, have, to overcome that loss so that we can find victory. He knew that out of the suffering, we would find blessing. We would find forgiveness. We would find freedom. We would find victory. That's how good our God is. And you can find good in the bad. Because something better is coming. The Bible doesn't say that we're not going to suffer. It doesn't say we're not going to hurt. We're not going to face things in this world. It doesn't say that we're not going to die. The Bible says that we will suffer and that we will die. But the Bible says that we will rise. We will rise again. And for those of us who have used our free will to accept Jesus, to follow him, our choice uh, to follow, to know, to serve, to love Jesus, we will meet him in eternal glory and we will suffer no more. Something better is coming. Revelation 21 4 says this God will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Something better is coming. Just imagine being in the presence of God. There'll be no more loss, no more sickness, no more rejection, no more shame, no more death, no more grief, no more depression. No more abuse. No more crying yourself to sleep at night. No more pain. But there's a but. We're not there yet. We still live in a sin-stained world where if love is possible, so is evil. So sometimes when I get asked this question as a pastor, why? I can't answer. Except be there with them through what they are going through and pray with them. You see, when, when my dad got sick, I asked why. And when it happened again and again, and then he got cancer, I asked why. As a family, I promise you, we asked why. And I may never know why. Not until I get to heaven. I may never know the true reason why all that happened. But I know there is a reason. But when I get to heaven, I'll be able to find out what that real reason is. That's why at any given moment, if you take a snapshot of your life, when something is not fair, we can think that God must not be a good God. But over time, over walking with God, over feeding on His Word, trusting in His presence, over having Him comfort you through situations, He gives you that peace that, that doesn't make any sense because He is a good God. Because in a moment, maybe it won't make sense, but over a lifetime, we can see his faithfulness. We can see that God is good all the time. Now remember Asaph, the guy 
who thought a lot of things that some of us are too scared to even say out loud in a life group or church or maybe to even your Christian friends who ask, does God even know what's happening? Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? I have only troubles all day. The morning brings me nothing but pain. He asked those questions. And this is what he said after he walked with God faithfully. Found in Psalm 73 verse 16 it says, When I tried to understand all these things, it troubled me deeply. It troubled me deeply. I love his honesty. It's okay that we, we don't like what we're facing or we don't understand what we are facing. But it goes on to say, until I entered the sanctuary of God, until I entered God's presence, until I entered and got into his goodness, jumps to verse 26, is my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's saying, I don't understand it. I don't like it. But until I enter the sanctuary of God, until I entered, then I can see how good God is. And I came here to tell somebody today that the problem of evil and suffering is not contrary to the story of the Bible. It's central to the story of the Bible. And more than anything else, Christianity makes sense of it and it gives meaning to it. And it offers a solution for the evil and suffering that we experience. And for those of you who are suffering right now, maybe you, you're even hurting. I want you to know this. God hurts with you. God loves you so much. He might even use it. And one day when you look back on the worst thing that you wouldn't wish on anyone or you don't even want to go through it again you're going to see how god was in it you you're going to see how god worked it all for his good and if you're hurting right now and you're wondering where is god remember you are living in the not there yet moment and the good news is something better is coming let's pray right now God, I pray for all of those who are hurting and going through something that they don't know why. God, I pray for strength. I pray for healing. I pray for comfort. I pray for guidance. God, I pray for restoration and I pray for peace so that we can look back and see your faithfulness. We can see your love. We can see your goodness. See how you have worked it for good, how you have used it, Lord. And how you've always been there with us. I want us to stay in an attitude of prayer right now. Maybe you've tuned in today and you're watching today. But you don't know this God that we're talking about. The one who can give you peace in the storm of your life. That because you've been facing things alone. And today something inside of you says, I need to invite Jesus into my life. I need to make the choice. To have him become the center of my life so that I don't have to face things of this world alone. Today you can, but you'll never know that peace until you invite Jesus into your life and make him Lord of your life. Only then, only once you do that, uh, that, that anxiety, that whatever you're facing, <clears throat> he can give you that peace to overcome it. 
maybe you've grown cold over the years or, or life has just happened and you've drifted away from God and you want him to come back and make right with him again. Today you can choose to repent and it just means to turn around and turn towards him because he has never turned from you. The good news is that he is there. He is here right now today, ready to wrap his arms around you and say, I love you. You are amazing. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It goes on to say that his mercies are new every day. He has set up eternal life for you. And if that is you, right, I'm going to ask you to pray a simple prayer with me in a little while because this is not about a religion. It's not about a particular church. It's about entering into a daily, real relationship with the one who loves you right down to your core. And if that is you, I want you to pray this prayer and repeat this prayer after me. It's a simple prayer. It goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for your amazing love. Today, I turn away from my sin and ask you for your forgiveness. Please come into my life and give me a fresh start. Today I acknowledge you as my savior. Help me to live my life for you. From this day forward, in Jesus name, amen, amen. Well, I wanna say this, welcome to the start of the rest of your life. And I want you to know that no matter what you are facing, no matter what you are going through, God still loves you. And he is there with you in every single situation. And as you look back on your life, you will see his goodness because he loves you. And I'm going to be handing over to the guys as they just explain your next steps and what's next. Have a great, great day.